Good morning, friends. Uh, good morning. We are now in a summer morning here, so I'm sitting outside on the deck. And Lou, are you with me? I am with you. It looks beautiful there. I want to clear right now. Thank you. It is so, the temperature is just perfect. We have an exciting program for you today. Uh, something that I have actually struggled with before I got into the Gita. As some of you know, uh, as a physician, medical student, being born in a very religious family, I had no idea what God was, uh, you know, what, what he looked like, whether it was a he, a she, uh, what it was a force, really. So I was starting to give up on this whole concept of God. Um, and this, what we're going to start today is chapter 7. And it gives a clear-cut idea of how God functions, what God is. Now, God is called many names in Sanskrit. Uh, Atman, Brahman, consciousness in English, the self with a capital S, God, uh, Purusha. You know, there are many, many names of this. So just keep that in mind as we go along. Yep. And because uh, we have so much that we need to pack in, we didn't give this chapter a particular verses. We didn't say verse 1 through verse uh, 6 or 5 or whatever, because I don't know how long it'll take me to get through this explanation, because it's very, very important. So we just said early verses. Lou, you with me? I'm with you. Okay. So um, in, the, um, in the Gita, there are 18 chapters, right? So the chapters... The way the Gita has been written, it's been divided into portions of three. So the first six chapters, second six chapters, and the third six chapters. Um, this is not written anywhere. It's just that as you start to read the Gita, you become aware of it. So the, the, the Gitas are actually from the Upanishads. So uh, it says the uh, Upanishads is like a cow, a cow that's giving milk. The cow herd, the one who milks the cow, is Krishna, Lord Krishna. Yep. Milk is the Gita, and Arjuna is like you and me, the common man who drinks of the milk. Essentially, the Gita sustains us. Mm -hmm. And the Gita basically is the milk coming from the Upanishads. So what are the Upanishads? There are four Vedas, and in there are at least a hundred, uh, lots of Upanishads, 108 famous ones that we know of. Oh, cow. Of them, yeah. yeah, 108. Yeah, that's a very popular number in Sanskrit for a number of reasons. One day when we go on our field trip, we'll talk about uh, the number 108 and 9. Um, <laughs> of those 108... I have two good ones for you, by the way, with 108. Sorry? I have two good ones with the number 108, by the way. It's funny you brought that up because I wrote an article on this once. First of all, there are 108 rosaries and rosary beads. Yep. 108 beads. Yes. There are also 108 stitches in an average baseball, by the way. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. On, on purpose? Uh, well, that's what the, that's what it's been. You know, okay. Going, okay. Oh, it's funny you say that because, again, I did a uh, I did a piece on number 108 you know, going back a few years ago. It's kind of funny. Would, I would love to see that piece. Uh, I'll have to dig it out again. It's several years old now. <laughs> okay. Um, so there are, after 108, there are 10 main Upanishads. And in there, there are four Mahavakyas. A Mahavakya is a major sentence or a major statement. And in the Chandokya Upanishad, there is Tat Tvam Asi, which means that thou art, that thou art. The second one is the Taitriya 
Upanishad, which is Pragnanam Brahmo, which is consciousness through Brahman. The third one is where what we're talking about today, which is the Brihada uh, Upanishad, and there the Mahavakya is Aham Brahma Asmi, Aham Brahmasmi. And the fourth one is the Mandukya Upanishad, which is Avam Ayam Atma Brahman. Essentially, all of these are saying essentially you are Brahman, which is Satchit Anand, uh, pure existence, pure bliss, pure uh, consciousness. So the first six chapters have to do with Aham, which is me, I. The second six chapters are Brahman, which is from 7 to 12, which is what we're going to start about today. And the third six chapters have to do with Asmi, 13 to 18. So what we're going to be starting to talk about today is Brahman, which is the self, God, consciousness, Purusha. And mm -hmm. what it talks about is that Brahman is like the ocean and is known as Paramatma. Each wave that comes out of the ocean is an individual like you and me. And through meditation, you recognize that you're not just the wave that you're looking at, but you are actually the water of the ocean. And ultimately, as you get further along in your meditation, you recognize that not only are you water just like everybody else, you are the water in all the waves, that Brahman is the same with all of you. So verse 1 in chapter 7, the blessed Lord says, O Partha, with the mind attached to me, practicing yoga, taking refuge in me, with a capital M, you shall without doubt know me fully. That you do here. So hmm. I'm going to skip through verses 1 and 2 very quickly because basically what he's saying here, Lord Krishna, he's not talking about Krishna the man. He's talking about me when he talks about himself as the Atman or the Brahman. Yep. And basically he's saying how to reach me, not Mr. Krishna, but who, who was born and died, but the Atman who is who he has become by self-realization means he's going to teach us how to reach the inner self, the Brahman, to become enlightened, to transcend the body, mind, and intellect. That's an important concept that we will talk about because it is desires for the world, for things within the world that stop you from reaching the self because you identify with the body, the mind, and the intellect. Why is that? Why do we identify with the body, mind, and intellect? Because the, as we look towards the world, there's instant gratification from material acquisition. Right. Whatever material it is, ice cream, food, money, wealth, power, is instant gratification. Everything else takes time. There's also sensual gratification gives you instant pleasure. Therefore, you become attached to both material and sensual objects. And you forget about what your real purpose is in life, which is to reach the inner self. Therefore, you must force your mind to focus on the Atman inside, not the world. This is your only, should be your only goal in life. Nothing else, not to make money, not to um, enjoy whatever, no harm in it. You can still make money. Not, right. The Vedas don't prevent you from doing that, but it says, do not forget your main goal in life. So he promises that if you follow what he says, you will reach him. And he gives you three things here that you must do. Number one, he says, attach to me. You have to be attached 
practicing yoga, which means meditation, and taking refuge in me, which means let, let the Lord uh, do whatever needs to be done. One right. other thing that, you know, when I uh, took my, had my son um, what, uh, had, have a thread ceremony, we have a thread ceremony, Lou, just like mm-hmm. uh, the Jewish people have a bar mitzvah, christening. It's, it's like uh, when you're coming of age, yeah, you're becoming a man. Mm-hmm. At that time, the symbolic thing is the person is dressed in a silk uh, loincloth, nothing else, no shirt, no shoes, no hat, nothing, just something to cover his lower part of his body. And then he's given a begging bowl and he goes around uh, the temple to strangers and he says, Bhiksham Dehi, meaning give me alms, give me food, give me like a beggar. Right. And I never understood that concept as to why that was that a person who has just become a man. That train's a little late this morning. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. A person that has just become a man, the first thing he is taught is take a begging bowl and go out begging. Yes. And I just realized that what happens is your ego is completely not just weakened, softened, it is shattered when you have to now take a bowl and go begging to people's homes to say, give you. And and one of the first requisite is that your ego has to be shattered. You take refuge in the Lord and hope that the Lord will take care of you. So that's probably the first time in your life you can set down your self-image and not, you can't worry about what other people are thinking of you. That's right. Yeah. And that's an important part because as we will see, when we get to chapter four and five, when, when he talks of God being you, your, your image, um, ego plays a large part in it. So that ego has to be shattered, not just softened, dissolved completely. So in verse two, Lord Krishna says, I will declare to you in full this knowledge together with wisdom, which having known, nothing more here remains to be known. So he distinguishes knowledge from wisdom. And that's an important concept because you can hear what I have to say. You can read the scriptures. You can listen to various lectures from people. But unless you sit down every morning, wake up at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning and meditate and concentrate on what is being said. You do manana. You think about it. You'd start to get it filters into your brain to become actual experience. That is known as wisdom. Um, before that is just knowledge. Right. Um, and, and you know, the, I, you have to get up. It wasn't easy for me going back many, many years ago when Gautam Jain first taught us that you have to get up in the morning. would say it every lecture, get up, get up, get up, get up in the morning. And it wasn't easy. But now it, it's such a pleasure to get up early in the morning and, and do the studies. So he, he says... Once you do that, once you get that knowledge, and the Gita gives you not just the knowledge, as other uh, scriptures do, it gives you the wisdom. How? Because it keeps repeating the same thing over and over again in different facets, different ways, so that you, even if you don't do manana, it sinks into your brain as wisdom. So he distinguishes here between knowledge and wisdom, and the ignorance of self is threefold. One is a lack of knowledge, So therefore, you have to read and listen as you're doing now. The second is a lack of understanding. Even after you read, you have to understand. So you have to do reflection, manana, contemplate, 
and gain insight into what is being said here. And the third is a lack of experience. You really don't know it. You can think you know it, right. but until you actually know it, until you actually experience it, and that only comes through meditation. And that's a much higher stage. So that's verse two. Now, verse three, among thousands of men, scarce one strives for perfection. Of those who strive and succeed, scarce one knows me in essence. He's basically saying that the majority of humans don't even strive for self-development, leave alone uh, self-realization. So very, very few people really reach self-realization. So you should actually feel good about yourself if you're listening to this because it means that you're one of thousands and thousands of people who is interested in this. Most fall asleep as they listen to this. Jesus Christ had only 11 disciples. Am mm. I right? Yeah. I always thought it was 12, but 11. Buddha had around the same. So don't... And the other thing that's important to note is that as you become self-developed, forget about self-realization, you develop siddhis. Siddhis is certain attributes, certain qualities, certain magical uh, transformations that uh, you then start to get amazed by and with yourself. Different things starts happening to you. People react differently to you. And, and good fortune comes your way as this happens. It is very important for you not to stop your quest for the self when that happens. A lot of people start doing magical tricks and start showing off and, or revel in the wealth that they gained, revel in the popularity and the fame as this happens. And when that happens, the minute you start doing that, you stop growing. So there is a story about gods who are churning the uh, nectar, which is the wisdom in the right. ocean. And as they churn it, one of the first things that comes up is wealth. Um, in, in addition to poison, uh, the wealth comes up. Horses, beautiful women, gold, silver, diamonds, jewelry. And what that suggests is that as you're on your quest, one of the early things that to come your way is all of this. And when that happens, if you revel in that and you stop going further, you, your, your development, your progress will be stopped. So it's important right. for you to reject that and keep moving on. Or you can accept it. You can take the wealth. You can take all that. But don't get your progress obstructed by it. So now comes this very important thing. Lou, I promised you that you're going to love this. Okay, excellent. Looking forward to it. Verse 4. Earth, water, fire, air, space, mind, intellect, and also ego. Such is the eightfold division of my prakriti which is, means in English, nature. Mm -hmm. So he says, my nature, sorry about this, Lou. Yeah, um, security camera. Yeah, my yeah, camera is uh, slipping over here. Sorry <laughs> about that. No problem. So anyway, he says the eightfold division of my nature, which is the outer expression of God, such is the form of God. Now, very, very important to me. I like this verse because I've always wondered what is God? What does God look like? And you'll see by the end of chapter, by the end of this chapter, you'll have a very clear picture that will make sense to you. 
He says that there's an eightfold division based on earth, water, fire, air, space, mind, intellect, and ego. So these are Mahabhutas. This is the substance the Mahabhutas are made of. Earth, fire, water, air, space, mind, intellect, ego. These are the lower aspect of Brahman, mm -hmm. of God, of the self, of consciousness. So these Mahabhutas form the subtle matter also. So the mind, intellect, and ego are also subtler. The body which we have the is more gross. Right. And the mind, intellect, and ego are more subtle. So the subtle gets transformed to the gross via what is known as panchakarma. So these are all elements. The gross elements combine to form gross matter, which is the body. Together, the subtle and gross matter form the lower aspect of Brahman. So bear with me. It may be a little difficult to understand until I start explaining all of this. Okay. I'm so following the, so far. Okay. The physical body, the gross matter, consists of the five organs of perception and the five organs of action. The right. five organs of perception in Sanskrit are known as Nyan Indriya and the five organs of action are Karma Indriya. I don't want to go over those again because I think you all know them. You definitely know the five organs of perception, but the five organs of action we have described many times before. That's the physical body. That's the gross. Right. The mind, which is manas, is the subtle matter and has passions, emotions, feelings, impulses, likes, dislikes, doubts, indecisions, feelings, love. Intellect, buddhi, is also subtle matter. It thinks, reasons, discriminates, judges, and decides. The ego, which is ahankar, says I, 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 is also subtle matter. It connects the emotions of the mind and decisions of the intellect together and calls it my own, mine. Hmm. Together, the gross body, the five organs of action, the five perception uh, organs, the mind, the intellect, and the ego, gross and subtle, are the lower aspects of the Brahman, or as we call it, the body of God, the body of Brahman. Right. Now, when you say, well, I don't have fire in my body, I don't have earth in my body, I don't have air in my body, think to yourself that what he's talking about is a more subtle aspect of those elements. Right. What does that mean? What's a subtle aspect of fire, for instance? So, and it's, it's difficult to explain, but when you look at it again and again through all of this, and I don't, we only have limited time here to go through each verse and everything, but as an example, what is the gross element of fire? When you look at fire, you see heat right. and you see light. Mm -hmm. You can see a fire on the uh, a mountain far away and what you see is bright light. When there's a forest fire as they have right now in California, you see bright light from miles away. And when you get closer, you feel the heat. Those are the physical gross aspects of fire. Am I right? Yes. Now, before it actually becomes fire, it is inherent, nascent, dormant, in something like a log of wood. Yes. Anything that catches fire. It's not nascent. It's not dormant. It's not inherent in metal, for instance. A big roll of steel will not have fire nascent in it. But a big log of wood has subtle fire in it. This is complicated, but bear with me. When fire burns that wood, it turns into ashes 
and flames and fire. So that means that the gross aspect of that piece of wood, when it ultimately gets to that gross level, is fire and ashes. But in its subtle form, that fire looks like a piece of wood. Right. Is that clear, Lou? Yes. Okay. Uh, some things are flammable, some are not. And the ability to burst into flames is is um, inherent in some things, like a piece of wood. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. So the, so those subtle so those subtle parts of fire, air, water, and all of this is there. And we may know it as H2O, for instance, right? Yeah. So H2O is water, but it has its own nascent forms, its dormant forms, its inherent forms before it becomes water and right. H2O. So we see a body like this body and we see cells in it. And these cells have a way of communicating. If I take a pin and poke it inside my body over here, it sends the senses immediately to my brain. How does that happen? How does right. one cell communicate with another cell? How does the sensation go from my toe to my brain in less than a second? There's something there that is dealt with chemicals. Now, a physicist, a chemist, a scientist will say, well, this is all chemicals. You can break down each cell and you can see hydrogen atoms, you can see potassium, you can see sodium, all kinds of things. Correct. Right. Those are the subtle aspects of earth, wind, fire, air, all of these things that I'm mentioning. But there's also another thing that if I were to drop dead right now and you poke me in this toe or the flesh with a pin, mm -hmm. I won't know anything. Right. Why? Because that life element is gone. So the cells are still there. The sodium, potassium, hydrogen still exists, but there's no life. So it is needing a second component, which is life or consciousness. Are you with me so far, everybody? Yeah, I think so. It's, it's basically, you've, everyone's seen this. If you reduce, if you take the water out of a human body, you have this pile of chemicals sitting there. And that's what the human body is. But there's something about the reactions of everything going on there that leads to consciousness and life. Yes. So what you have put your finger on is that there has to be this consciousness that has to come into this lower aspect of Brahman. And that consciousness is the higher aspect of Brahman. So verse 5 says, this is the lower that we just discussed in verse 4. Right. But different from it, know my higher prakriti, my higher nature, the life element by which this universe is supported. So the mind, intellect, and ego forms the subtle matter of the lower aspect. We just talked about that. Earth, water, fire, air, space forms the gross matter of the lower aspect, Brahman. We just discussed that. And so the lower aspect of Brahman is mere matter, has no life. The higher aspect, which is the higher nature of Brahman, is life itself, is spirit, the supreme self within, without which these chemicals, this lower aspect, has no meaning. This self functions through the material equipment to create a human being like electricity in a bulb. Right. So in the West, we call this a soul. In the West, you call it a soul. There's a little, I want to stay away from that analogy because it confuses people. I see, yeah. Because, because the soul only applies to a human being. Oh, I see. Yep, I'm with you. What the Gita is talking about here is that consciousness pervades 
everything, not just yep. the human being. Fair so, enough. So, so if, if you have a tree, if you have a, you know, it's not just, it's not just a human being. The tree has gross elements. It has roots. It has a trunk. It has leaves. It has branches. Right. And it has life. It is That's the same right. concept. It, whether it's a mouse, an insect, a mosquito, that consciousness self, that energy, that life goes into everything. And then together, the leaves, the roots, the tree, with the combination of Purusha, has life in it. You and I as human beings have this. And in the West, there is what is described as soul. But soul doesn't apply to, right. I, I don't think, to, to no, in the Western world. It doesn't talk. It's generally considered a human. It's act. generally considered human. But yeah. in the Sanskrit, it's considered consciousness in everything. Right. So I think in my earlier episodes, I, had, I had talked to my mother about something. I said, this doesn't have life in it. And when I was a little child and my mother had said, everything has life in it. Everything that moves has life. And I said, well, this piece of carbon, this rock, this doesn't move. And she says, well, it doesn't move as quickly as you move, right. my child, but it moves. And in a million years, this rock will be different than what it is now because yes. it moves internally. And I said, you're right. And as I grew older, I realized that carbon changes and becomes a diamond or or whatever. And yes, everything has life in it in that sense. In that sense, everything has consciousness within. Maybe not at the same degree, maybe not in the same uh, aspect, maybe it doesn't move as quickly, but it all has life, right. but not necessarily a soul. <laughs> Talking of souls, I have a B Speaking on soul, it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the higher aspect, the higher nature of Brahman is the spirit, which is the supreme self within. And we were talking about a bulb and electricity. So imagine that you have a bulb with a filament inside it. Mm -hmm. It has no light. Right. It is just a plain bulb with a vacuum and a filament and has no light. Right. It needs that electricity to go inside that bulb in order for that to light up and produce light. Right. And the electricity so, itself has no light. It's yes. a combination of the two. That's right. So yeah. the electricity itself has no light. The bulb has no light. But together, the two of them produce light. Similarly, consciousness. Now, here's the key. The consciousness alone doesn't have life. The consciousness requires a body mm -hmm. in order to produce life. So Brahman, you remember that story we talked about, Lou? That was like a children's story. Somebody had written that God was playing hide and seek with himself. Yes. And he had to had to make something in order to play. And he made it so well that and he hid so well that he forgot how to get back to himself. Right. So essentially what consciousness did and we'll get to this as we talk further. Essentially, each one of these elements, as it was in its subtle form in the universe, decided that it had to come into some kind of life form and first created. And this is similar to Darwin's theory. Essentially, it first created the body of different things, including the universe, like the Big Bang Theory. Mm -hmm. And then after that, added to it the consciousness, which gave it life. But I'm ahead of myself, so <laughs> bear with me. The material element, the lower aspect of Brahman, has no life. It is inert. When the lower aspect 
the material elements come into contact with this consciousness they become sentient sentient mm. means able to perceive things and feel things like the mind the lower because the matter is gross and base it's really dead it's inert it's lifeless as we said before right only when the higher which is all in sanskrit known as the jiva bhutam enlivening principle when the atman functions the self functions the brahman functions through the lower then there is live being whether it's a tree or a human being or elephant or tiger even the atman itself without the matter has no expression that's what we were just saying the body mind and intellect and the ego is like a bulb without electricity atman is the electricity both by themselves as you just said lu have no expression right so as a human being you have a choice to focus on either the lower or the higher as we said right in the beginning most humans are focused on the lower either the gross so you focus on your body what am i eating how does my body look am i strong are my muscles big what am i seeing what am i hearing what am i tasting or you focus on the mind and its emotions my children i am attached to my children i love my wife that kind of thing or you focus on the intellect again subtle matter my name my fame my reputation my popularity what you see as this world is the self but the self is conditioned the self is conditioned as life and matter prakriti which is nature and gross and purusha which is the self which is life and the matter that we talked about is the uh, the five elements right the gross matter is five elements the subtle matter which is not gross not tangible is the mind emotions feelings desires at the level of thought then the intellect capacity to reason decide then the ego i am the body i did this so i think we should stop here i could go on but how long has it been about 20 minutes it's been 30 minutes 30 minutes so let's stop here friends so we we did up to verse 5 so next time if you um please listen to the next one because it really gives you more uh, of an understanding of what this is now what we did so far friends is talk about the the scriptures description of what god is When I first read this when I first heard this I was blown away because I'd always wondered what is god who is god is it a man is it a woman and here it become now you may say well, I don't know if I believe you is there such a thing so we're going to talk about that next time you know just like people say well, I don't know if I believe gravity right is <laughs> there such a force I don't see it yeah jump off the fifth floor of your building and then we'll see if there's gravity or not yeah go so, stand in a, go stand in a river at low tide <laughs> yeah that's right so there there's so many concepts which we don't see like like you said gravitational pull of the moon gravitational pull of the earth mm-hmm. all of these affect us so why is it so hard to believe that there is such a thing as consciousness and we'll talk next time about how consciousness is there in us in each one of us um from childhood from the time you're born or actually from the time you're conceived fetus because we know that even in the mother's womb a child is conscious of 
music that the mother is listening to right. sounds that the mother is listening to that that it picks these things up until the day you die and even after you quote unquote die they say that even though yes. your other senses are still gone your hearing still lasts and even after you're quote unquote dead you're still able to hear things so i hope you will join me in the next episode to continue with this Lou, anything that I've missed? Anything? Any comments? Any? No, I'm going to have to work on this for a while, and then uh, as we go forward, put it all together. I'm going to try to store this and process this now. That was a okay. big. This was a big episode. It, it is very revealing, and I I like this verse a lot. This chapter a lot. All right, and uh, check us out on uh, the Gita Memoirs of Psychiatrist on uh, face on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Leave comments at the Facebook page, the Gita Memoirs of a Psychiatrist. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you, everybody.